You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Okay, by way of review, last time, where did we talk about last time? Deacons, thank you, Tim. We talked about deacons. Um, the word is transliterated in reference to the office of deacon. We talked about that. It's translated much more often as servant or minister. We looked at Acts 6 and saw that that kind of describes the function of deacons, establishes the necessity of the role of deacons that may or may not be the first a deacon installation ceremony, but it does describe what deacons are to do. Deacons are to be ministers of mercy in the church that take care of the material needs of the of the church. We looked at the qualifications of deacons in Acts 6 and 1 Timothy 3. So they're very similar to elders except for one difference, one major difference. That was that elders have to be able to teach. And that's not listed as deacons. It's not their role. It doesn't mean they can't teach. Um, but they, that's not a qualification of deacons. And we saw there's great reward for serving in the office of deacon as there is for serving the Lord generally. All right, so today I want to move on to a verse we skipped over last time. It's been a long time in one verse. 1 Timothy 3, chapter 11. 1 Timothy 3, verse 11. And there's a reason why I wanted to handle this separately. 1 Timothy 3, 11. We'll look at the whole passage here in a second. 1 Timothy 3.11, verses 10 and 11 are somewhat parenthetical in that passage. They're a little bit of a aside in the passage, verses 10 and 11. Verse 11 requires a real careful understanding. There's a lot of uh, possible interpretations. We want to look at several of them. And it bears on the role of women in the church. And uh, we have roughly 50% women in the church. I'm guessing that's an estimate. I don't really know. I could count, but I'm guessing it's around 50%. Does that sound accurate? Around 50%. <clears throat> maybe more, it may be less. Um, this is the passage, and if you don't look at the tree part for a second, the tree is actually kind of helping me here. Uh, the First Timothy 3, 8 through 13, the first part there that's above the tree is uh, the New American Standard. It says, deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they're beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So the New American Standard, you see the word that I've underlined there, has women in 1 Timothy 3.11. This is your NIV, your King James, and your New King James. NIV says in the same way, their wives are to be, are to be women worthy of respect. And so on. And then it has a footnote, and it says, or deaconesses. So it translates it as their wives, and then it allows for the possibility of deaconesses. In the NIV translation. 
In the King James Version, it just says their wives. And in the New King James, it just says their wives. So the questions are, I think, multiplied when we look at that. Who are these people? Are they just women? Are they somebody's wives? Whose wives are they? What is this all about? Are they deaconesses? What, what are we getting at here? I'm going to give you several interpretations. And before I start this, none of these are heretical. None of these are horrible interpretations that you, know, you should break fellowship with somebody over. Okay? These are, as you'll see, we're going to end up playing somewhat kind of trying to interpret this. It's not absolutely clear that this refers to absolutely this. I can't say that. Okay? But I, can, I think I can argue fairly strongly against a couple of them. So let's, let's go through this. Verse 11. The word that I've underlined in all these translations, translated women, their wives, their wives, deaconesses, it's the same word, obviously. It's gunaikos. It's from the Greek gune. And it's translated two ways in Scripture, either wives or women. It can mean either. It depends on the context. If you back up to First uh, Timothy two nine, second, First Timothy two nine says, "Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments." That's the same word there translated women in the New American Standard that is translated women here in verse eleven. It's gunaikos. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about husbands love your wives. We translate that as wives, the same word. So it's the context that determines whether it's wives or women. Okay, that's not going to help us too much, is it? We have to understand the context. The word itself is not going to tell us whether it's wives or women in this particular passage. And you see why it's becoming important. If it's wives, it leads us in one direction. If it's women, it leads us potentially in another direction. <clears throat> the truth is, it could mean either. So let's look at the first argument. These are female deacons or deaconesses. Let's look at that possibility first. And here's some of the reasons that might you might uh, reasons why you might conclude that. Look at the placement of the passage. First Timothy three eight through thirteen is talking about one basic subject. Deacons, right? This is a passage about deacons. So these women must therefore be women deacons. Look at the, uh, in verse 11, it says women must likewise, mine says must likewise, has that word likewise there. Well, in verse 8, back up to verse 8, it says deacons likewise. So it seems that likewise is introducing an office. So it's introducing a third office of these women. Okay, so there's a couple reasons. Another one is there was no word for female deacons. There was no word for deaconesses. So Paul couldn't use a word, a Greek word for deaconesses. So he just called them women, hoping that we would understand in the context that it's women deacons. Okay. And if you look at the qualifications themselves, they're closely parallel to the male deacons. It starts off with, uh, in verse 11, must be dignified, the same as verse 8. Uh, verse 8 has double-tongued. This has 
not malicious gossips, but somewhat similar to the qualifications of deacon. So those are the textual arguments that have led some very, very good Bible teachers to say this is referring to female, de- to female deacons or deaconesses. All right, now, how does that strike you, first of all? Got it? <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Carol? Okay, because deacons are in leadership. Right. So a... Deacons are in leadership. That's first objection to this, isn't it? Right. Deacons are in leadership. Um, you can't divorce a passage from its context. Back up for a second to chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And let's just read through that together quickly. It says, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. All right. That passage really is in the Bible. Okay, I'm not making that up. You just read it. <laughs> just so you know. It's pretty clear the Holy Spirit is telling us two things about women in the church. They can't have a primary teaching role and they can't have authority over men in the church. Deacons generally do have authority over men. They have authority over men and women in the church. So from that, it would seem that this isn't referring to female deacons. I'll look at the uh, textual arguments in a minute. Also, I want to be clear: this this scripture makes it very clear. This is not a this is not a cultural thing. Okay, this is not an Ephesian church first century thing. He doesn't say that I don't allow women to teach in the church because that would be offensive to the men of Ephesus. He says it because Adam was created first, then Eve. It's it has to do with the order of creation. And this isn't a lesson on the role of women, but it's about this particular office. It's pretty clear from that that women are not to have an authority over men in the church, so can't be deacons generally. There's a, a way to get around that, isn't there? Have you thought of it? Yeah, Thomas? Yeah. Women could be deaconesses over women. Okay. Well, there's nothing in that verse that would would say that that's not possible. It seems to me to be kind of going pretty far afield. But we have a way to kind of object to that from Acts 6. Remember the context of Acts 6 when they chose the seven? What were the seven supposed to do? Who are they working with? Widows, women. No men involved, by definition, right? They're widows. And so the Holy Spirit chose seven men. All right? So that seems to lead me to believe that deacons are to be men. And that there is no office for female deacons. Again, I wouldn't I wouldn't break fellowship with somebody over that or call them a heretic. Okay? Why then are some translations that have the women the men for Um, you asked why do they translate it women like they do American Standard rather than wives? 
I think they're trying not to take a kind of position on the issue and just translating it. It's an honest translation to say women. It's also an honest translation to say wives. If you don't want to take a position on it at all, maybe use the general term women and let people kind of figure out what exactly that means. I don't know. Let's, let's look at some of those textual, textual arguments as to why uh, some would say that they're female deacons. I think the best point was made by Carol, but we have to address some of these, some of these points. The placement of the passage. The placement of the passage is in the middle of a passage, or the placement of the verse rather, is in the middle of a passage about deacons, isn't it? Sure it is. Uh, look, verses, uh, let's see, verses 8 and 9 and 10. They're talking about men clearly. Right? No question about it. Verses 12, well, verse 12 is definitely talking about men. So it's somewhat awkward to have a verse in there that's just about women deacons, isn't it? That seems awkward. What if instead we interpret it as deacons' wives? Fits beautifully, fits perfectly. We're talking about qualifications of deacons. Paul is saying, hey, and also, you got to look at their wives. Because the type of service that deacons do, their wives are going to have to be involved. And so they have to be of a certain character as well. Right? Deacons are minister of mercy. Sometimes that involves going to a home, uh, doing some work on the home, talking to people about their needs. It would be inappropriate for a man to go to a single mother's home and do that. Women are better at talking with women. If you're married, you know that. And women are sometimes better at dealing with kids. Right? They have a better understanding of what the needs are. So it would be natural for a man and a woman to kind of do this together. And so it would be natural here in this passage for Paul to say, hey, their wives have to be of a certain character as well. So that actually seems to fit pretty well. There's no reason that that wouldn't fit. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, there's nothing in this that diminishes women. It, it's just this is a role. They're not to have the role of deacon. You see here, they still have the, they still are assisting in the role. They assist their husbands in the role. They just don't have that authority of the office. Look at uh, oh, one other objection. This, the word likewise. The word likewise is there. And we kind of talked about this a little bit last time. But I think it gives likewise way too much credit to say, well, because likewise is there, it must mean the introduction of an office. I, I don't get that. Uh, if you look over at, uh, well, we don't have to turn there, but in Titus 2, it, t- Paul introduces older men. Then he says, older women likewise should be like this. Younger men likewise should be like this. It's just likewise. It just means in the same, look, I, I talked about this group. I'm going to do a similar handling of another group. I'm going to do a similar handling of another group. I'm talking about qualifications here. By the way, the deacons' wives also have to have these qualifications. That's all. It, it doesn't necessarily introduce another office. That's, that's way too strong an argument. Okay. Then look, what about the fact that the qualifications are parallel, or the idea that the qualifications are parallel to deacons? Look at them again. Verse 11, the qualifications are dignified, not malicious gossips, temperate, faithful in all things. Are they parallel, perfectly parallel to the deacons in verse 8? There's some glaring omissions. Look at at verse 12, for instance. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife. 
What about the female deacons? They have no such qualification? The word temperate in verse 11. Temperate is listed actually as qualification of elders. Not listed for deacons. So there's a similar word. But again, that's too strong an argument to say because of the similarities of qualifications, it implies that they're deaconesses. It doesn't imply that at all. Okay. With the biggest point being the one that Carol made. So, does that make sense? Tom? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm trying to learn about this myself. I think in this particular case, you can choose to apply likewise. And you can choose to apply parallel. Obviously, she's not going to be a a woman, it's not going to be, it's an obvious. The woman is not going to be a, a wife of one wife. Could be a wife of one husband. And you can, I think it's inferred if you want to take it that far. Sure. You can, you can absolutely say, well, likewise must mean that it's an office. The, the, parallel, the qualifications are too closely paralleled. All of that. The truth is, just as I've said before, I won't make an argument that I can't fairly strongly make. It's okay to believe that. It's fine with me if you believe that. As long as you separate the fact that a woman can't have authority over men in the church. I just don't believe it. I, I think a much more likely answer is that it's referring to their wives. I mean, you're, you've come to an obvious conclusion, but you also are open to the fact that some people might not draw the same conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, almost always if I disagree with John MacArthur, I kind of allow for the possibility that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not always. It's a couple times when I don't, but. In this case, yeah, Carol? Yeah, it's actually translated in like manner, even so. It's just a word that means, just as I talked about this, now I'm going to talk about this. But, you know, however it's translated, what does it really mean? It's just kind of a introducer of, a, of an idea. I, I think it's too strong to say this absolutely implies this must be an office because it's used to introduce an office earlier. Yeah. So, to me, that infers that they Right. That's what it seems to me. Uh, mainly because of the argument you made and the testimony of Acts 6. But, uh, there's another, inter- a couple other interpretations. Jess. In that case, they usually hold that they are ministering over the women or over children. Mm-hmm. And so they make the distinction that they're not in authority over men, but they also can be ministering to women. Right. Right, it gets to be a pretty fine point, doesn't it? I mean, we have women's ministry where women do minister to other women and the children. We have Sunday school teachers that teach children. So if you want to call them deaconesses, that's where, that's where I kind of draw the line. I, I don't think that there is an office defined, a New Testament office defined as such. But clearly they can have that role. They can have the role of serving women in that kind of role. And even serving men, but not in authority. Okay. Does that make sense? Here's an, and 
this is this is probably practically the way that most churches actually do this. That Jess was talking about. These women are deacon helper women. I don't know. There's probably a better way to say it. They're they're not deaconesses, but they help the deacons. They're women who help the deacons serve under the authority of the deacons. They work with them. Oh, I got to make one other textual point before I move on. I forgot to say this. The biggest argument for this being deaconess, or one of the big arguments that MacArthur uses, is Paul couldn't call them female deacons. There was no word for that. That's not really true. Um, there is a way. To, there was a way to say in Greek, female deacons. They, they, they can put a, an article in front of it that implies female. The word diakonos can be male or female. It's actually used of Phoebe uh, in Acts something, 15, 16. So, as a servant, female servant. So it can be used of men or women. It's like the word minister can be used of, or servant can be used of men or women. So he, he could have said tas diakonos, that would mean female deacons, and it would have been understood that way. So there was a way for him to clearly say it. Okay? There wasn't a word for it. That's true. That, the word deaconesses came about many years later. But he could have said female deacons. He could have made that if he had chosen to do so. That's another part of the argument. Yeah, the kind of work they do. If you had a wife that, we'll look at the qualifications. I think it strongly supports the idea that whether whatever you think about this particular identification of these women, that deacon's wife should be should have these qualifications. No, same thing with it. Just as with the elders, generally men are married, and so this, these are qualifications. Same way here. He'd have to, he'd have to, you know, practically, he'd have to have a woman to go with him. It would certainly be helpful if he's married. It's called Tammy. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> if, we, if our wives are not available. There's probably a Tammy in, in these churches. I mean, it must have been because they were successful. Um, Women are deacon helper women. Okay, well, they're not deacons. Paul, that's why Paul doesn't call them deacons. He doesn't use the tasdiakonos because they're not deacons. They work with deacons under the authority of deacons. And in practice, like Jess was saying, many churches have deaconesses. This is more or less what they do. They work under the authority of deacons in the same sort of role, primarily ministering to women and children. They may also help the deacons, but they don't have the authority role. Um, okay, but that's not what the... Scripture says that it could say that. Paul could have said, oh, and also the women who help the deacons need to da-da-da-da-da. It doesn't say that. It just says the women or the wives. Okay. So let's, let's look at what I think is a couple of, what I think are a couple of more likely interpretations. One, they're deacons' wives. The word can mean wives. perfectly fine to say wives. In context, again, it would fit perfectly, wouldn't it? Deacon has to be qualified in these ways. Wife has to be qualified in these ways. And don't forget, he has to manage his own family and household. Well, the flow is very good. Um, Makes perfect sense. But here's the biggest objection to that. 
the reason that leads people away from that conclusion. It's missing a word. And your translations that say their wives are adding in a word. It's a word there that doesn't exist. It's the word there. There's no there there. But it's a different kind of there than normally when you say there's no there there. There's no T-H-E-I-R there. There's no uh, possessive pronoun for wives. It just says wives. Why did he put the there in there? If they're deacon's wives, why didn't he say they're wives? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. The answer that, you know, that I'm in, in my reading, the answer that was given was it would have been fairly clear to them in the context, understanding women couldn't have authority, couldn't hold the office of deacon. Here's this long passage about deacons. And in the middle of it, I'm talking about wives, that it would have been clear to them that he's talking about deacons' wives. And that may be. That may be. So you see why I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, you know, draw very strong conclusions here. Because the word there isn't there, and it would be nice if it were there. It would make it clearer for me to un- help me understand this. But again, I'm not a first century reader of Greek that would maybe understand this very clearly. But the word there isn't there. Yes. Well, the word could be translated women as easily as wife. It's often translated women. So there's another interpretation I haven't really talked about where people say it just, it just means women. It's not talking about deacons at all or anything. Women ought to be this way. And that's, that's true. Women ought to be this way. <laughs> but that doesn't seem to fit in the context at all. So I've kind of, kind of dismissed that. Rob? There is a stylistic argument. I didn't didn't really bring this out because I have kind of some theological problems with stylistic arguments. But stylistically, in the because the style would we would the Holy Spirit ever sacrifice clarity for style? I don't really think so. But the writers do have distinct styles. And the style here, there's a parallel between verse 8 and 11 is very clear. If you look at them in the Greek, they, they start with the same word, same second word, deacons likewise, diakonos likewise, and then this is, or the second word, gunaikos likewise, must be in very similar, starts out very similar. So some say, well, stylistically, if we would have put the pronoun in there, it would have kind of messed up the messed up the letter stylistically. I don't think that's either here nor there. So, you know, how it should, where the verses should go, I don't know. They're, this is where they are. And so the interpretation has to flow from that. And unfortunately, it's not perfectly clear to me who these women are. And I say that, you know, I'll say that a lot when I'm teaching a class that's not perfectly clear to me. If I was sitting down at a kitchen table with you, I would be much stronger but I don't, I'm here in a role of teaching, opening the Word of God. I can't go beyond what's written here at all. I can't just, you know, logic flow here and say, well, this, this makes sense because of this, because of this. It's just this is what the Word says. And what it says is a word that's either women or wives. 
And we're trying to decide what it means from context and flow and other scripture. I can't be too strong about it. Okay? All right. Yeah, in just a second, we get to qualifications. If I have time. <laughs> that's a hard one. So that's one interpretation. It's a very strong interpretation. These are the deacons' wives. That's, I don't see any issues at all with that interpretation, except for the absence of the, of the pronoun, really, which isn't may not be a big deal. What if these are not just deacons' wives? What if these are deacons' and elders' wives that he's talking about? Well, that doesn't seem likely. He's not talking about elders here in this passage, is he? Look at verse 10. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Remember, we talked about that. It seems to be a reference to, hey, you've got to test your deacons just as you would test your elders. So now we're talking maybe about both offices. It was just a few verses ago we were talking about elders. So this may apply to elders and deacons' wives. I don't know. And if you think about the role of the elder, right, the general oversight of the church, teaching ministry, those are things that women are specifically excluded from. So, you know, Diane doesn't help me teach the Sunday school class, and Deidre doesn't help Jim preach directly. <laughs> right, indirectly, sure, but you see what I mean. So they don't necessarily serve alongside their husbands in the same fashion that a deacon's wife might end up serving. All right? They do have responsibilities, you know, that come with what you're, just as any of any wife does. But it may be, may or may not be that this is referring to elders' wives. Don't know. What do you think about that? I know Ray, we're going to get to Ray's question in a second, which is a good one. No, they didn't. Does that bother you? No qualifications for elders' wives, but qualifications for deacons' wives? Why would that be? Oh, sorry, one over here. It could be, and I kind of, when I put this passage up, I separated the verses because that's the way I was thinking when I did this. The, the first couple verses, they're clearly talking about deacons. Then there's a verse that may be talking about deacons and elders. Then there's a verse that is talking about the wives, and then we go back to deacons. This is not a common style for Paul. You know that. You've read the epistles. He's the, he kind of is a, you know, he's 25 levels above us in thinking, and so he's able to do this in a way that was more comfortable for him than maybe it is for us. But, so I can't tell for sure. Uh, it could be general, it could be tied in with verse 10 and kind of be a general reference to the wives of, of church office holders, elders, and deacons. It could just refer to deacons. Don't know, but it's certainly something to think about. Wouldn't you want elders' wives to be of a certain character if you're qualifying a man for eldership? 
It's a good idea. Some of you probably have some experience in the past of other churches that thought it would have been a good idea. <laughs> right? So it may be. Um, again, I can't say for sure. All right, so whether you agree with me or not on, on interpretation of this as being deacons' wives, let's look at the, the qualifications of deacons' wives in verse 11. It says, women, deacons' wives, their wives, we'll think of them as deacons' wives, must likewise be dignified. Dignified, that was back in verse 8, same thing, men of dignity. They must also be dignified. You don't want a silly woman right, as a wife of a deacon. She has to be able to take things seriously. Do you remember? She's dealing as a, she's working with her husband as a minister of mercy. There are needs here, real emotions. You got to be able to be serious when the time calls for it. Here's the one I really like. I spent a little bit of time on this one. Not malicious gossips. And before we say, you know, anything about, well, that just applies to women, go back up to verse 8. Not double tongued. Same sort of idea. A little bit different word. And it's a great word, not malicious gossip. First of all, you see why a deacon's wife would have to have this qualification. She's a malicious gossip. Everything she hears about somebody's need, she's going around like, did you hear that so-and-so got a divorce with so-and-so and now they don't have any money and the kids are starving and so that's why my husband is going over there. You know, that kind of stuff. That wouldn't, that wouldn't help, would it? Right? But do you know what the word is for malicious gossips? The Greek word. Anybody ever you ever heard this before? I had never heard this before. Diabolos. Yeah. You know the singular form of diabolos is translated in your Bible every single time as the devil. That's what the devil is. You know what Satan means? It's Hebrew word. He's accuser, slanderer. Same thing here. That's what Satan does. That's his stock and trade. He is a slanderer and accuser. Right? He accuses the brethren just as he did Job, right? That's what he does. He's a liar and the father of lies. When you're a malicious gossip, that's the company you keep. That's not good, right? That's next, isn't it? No, one more word. You just can't wait. I actually don't think it's a believer in this case, and you'll see why. Uh, temperate is the next word. For, i got to stay on malicious gossip for one second, though. Malicious gossip. You, the wife of a deacon can't be malicious gossip. How about the wife of an elder? Can she be malicious gossip? How about the wife of a music leader? How about the wife of a plumber? Okay. Malicious gossip. This is just, he's, saying, he's just emphasizing this. Really can't happen in this case. But of course it can never happen. It has no place in the body of Christ. Right. It destroys lives. It destroys churches. It's the devil's work. So it has no place at all in the body of Christ. Not, not just deacons' wives or, or deaconesses, if you prefer that, whatever. This has no place. And I've been extremely humbled by this church's ability to take that, take that to heart over the years. As a church, the, the body that does extremely well with that, it's usually, uh, I've never been in, in a, with a group that, that can kind of keep things quiet. 
that doesn't go around gossiping about things and making things up. So, good. Uh, temperate. You remember this one back in 1 Timothy 3.2? I know Reese does, because he wasn't actually here. 1 Timothy 3.2. Darren, you got that one? Flipping back to it. You see where it says, 1 Timothy 3.2 says, An overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Temperate. Mine says temperate. Remember the word literally means wineless? We talked about that. It, it figuratively means sober-minded, clear-headed. It doesn't literally mean wineless here. We know that from the, the earlier passage because he goes on to say not addicted to much wine. To be clear about the use of alcohol. So this isn't about the use of alcohol, but it's figuratively clear-headed, sober-minded. And that's what the deacon's wife must also be. Interesting that that is not exactly applied to deacons. I don't know what that means, but... Uh, then faithful in all things. Now, now we're at Ray's question. Uh, faithful in all things. Does that mean that a deacon's wife has to be a believer? Does faithful in all things mean that a deacon's wife has to be a believer? It's the same word that we looked at in Titus. That word, uh, pestos. Same word. But what does it say? It says faithful in all things. So it seems to me that that in all things kind of makes it more faithful. To say a believer in all things, that doesn't really fit. Right? So here it does seem to mean faithful. Okay? She's faithful, she's trustworthy in all things. Okay, fine. So I can't say from this scripture that a deacon's wife has to be a believer. Let me ask you, does a deacon's wife have to be a believer? How about an elder's wife? We have a couple of I think so's and a couple of <laughs> should be. What if if a if a uh, if a Christian man married an unbeliever, would he be qualified to be an elder? And you're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. When Paul talked about oh sorry, Becca. See, when you sit over there, I don't... Okay, yes. Um, if you look at um, when you were talking about most of the apostles being all the qualifications that they don't have, it just talks about deacons and elders wives because they have to be... Um, if someone is an unbeliever, if you think about the same person being an unbeliever, for them to really I think so too. I, I think your behavior, it's, for behavior to be characterized by this implies Christianity. Right? Faithful, and the word faithful is never used of unbelieving people in the New Testament. Never clearly used of unbelieving people in the New Testament. The word there translated faithful. Right? When Paul was talking, and I don't, now I don't remember the passage, but Paul was talking about the rights that he had as an elder. He said, don't, don't I have a right to bring a Bring along a believing wife. 
just as Peter. Remember that? Why didn't he say, didn't I have a right to bring along a wife? Because he probably didn't. He had a right to bring along a believing wife. Right? I think it's somewhat understood. And a, a man could not be an effective elder or effective deacon with an unbelieving wife. I mean, that's just a, that's just a fact. All right. So, so it doesn't specifically say in Scripture that it, that it has to the man has to have a believing wife. But I think if we were to practically apply principles of Scripture in that case, we probably wouldn't qualify a man who had an unbelieving wife. Is that? What do you guys think of that? It could have a bad reputation. It could go to managing his own household. It could go to those other things. Okay. All right. Uh, we're in good shape here. I wanted to... Uh, so this is the last of this study. I don't really know who's teaching next week. Whoever's teaching next week, please raise their hand. Justice is teaching next week. Thank you. Um, what are you starting in on? So you have much to be thankful for, um, because this is the conclusion of what I'm doing, and you're gonna, that's going to be great. Um, I want to conclude with a couple of uh, verses. Let's go to Hebrews 13. I'm not going to teach through this, but I just want to want you to see that, and then I'll just take a few questions. We'll be done. Hebrews 13. And towards the end of the book of Hebrews, because it's chapter 13, and there's actually 13 chapters in Hebrews. All right, now I'm delaying a little bit as people turn their pages to Hebrews 13. And people are still turning because they hear the distinct rustling of pages. Just wait a second. Hebrews 13, verses 17 through 21. (laughs) <laughs> that's how you have to do it with, with uh, young people by the way you have to wait until they get to the, the book and then the chapter and then you tell them the verse because if you say Hebrews 13, 17 through 21 you get 12 hands that go where are we? <laughs> like that where with adults they just don't turn to I don't know what he's saying <laughs> he'll read it I'll be fine that's the difference Hebrews 13, 17 through 21 it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this, so that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That was a good passage just to remind us of who's in charge. We talk talk about the elders and deacons. Not in charge. The shepherd is Jesus Christ. He is our shepherd. He's our Lord. He's in charge. We ought to make it easy on our earthly leaders that are trying to do do the will of God for our sakes. Any questions on anything we've talked about over the last 15 weeks? Rob.
You guys hear that? Yeah, and you know, when I, I did this lesson, I thought I'm going to kind of leave this with this, they're not deaconesses, so women can't have the role of elders, they can't have the role of deacons. Okay, see you later. Well, because I'm teaching that passage, and so that, that is in fact the truth that I wanted to share. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that women can't serve in, in you know, an infinite number of ways, can't serve in tremendous ways. And we see that in our church, we know that. It's not the right. Yeah. So someone was I think it was I was Ray or I don't remember, but we're talking about the, the qualification of having believing children and what about the sovereignty of God in that? And, and uh, actually, it wasn't Ray. It was I think it was Carol. No, it wasn't. It was Diane Carlson. Sorry, got it. Um, <laughs> and the the truth is, God is sovereign in salvation. Sure. He's also sovereign in everything else. And so if a man gets killed, run over by a bus, he can no longer serve as an elder. <laughs> if a man is in a semi-ground and has brain damage, is no longer able to think and speak, and, and he can't serve as an elder. Why did we get you like that? <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I can't count that high, so I'm not sure if I'm excluded or not. Right? God is sovereign in, in everything, but it doesn't, you know, so he makes, you know, you're a woman someday, not yet, and others are men, and so there's possibilities that are open to one group that aren't open to the other. It works both ways. That's the sovereign hand of God, and that those are the roles that we serve in, you know, if we, if we don't like them, you know, talk to God. Any other questions? You mean financially or? Thanks, <laughs> You take a little offering among the first two rows. <laughs> yes, I already know that. Okay, yes, Jim. No, I refuse to answer that. 
how'd that work? This, it's a whole yes men thing. That was a little. Yes, how high? Um, you know, biblically, elders are elders, and we serve as a body of elders. There's a plurality of elders in every church, and that's the way we operate. When we get together, we decide things by consensus. And now it's true. Jim is Jim is a paid elder. He has a primary responsibility for teaching, and so he is first among equals, and that's okay. Right? But it, it's it's not a matter of you know. I'm going to put this in the wrong way, but I don't need Jim's permission to to teach something, um, but I will run things by, if they're controversial, I'll talk to Jess and Jim before so that we understand that we have consensus on these things. So that's the way it ought to work. I think that's the way it does work. I've ne- I don't remember a single time when we have ever sat down and had a conflict that we couldn't resolve. You know, we open the Word of God. We understand uh, enough to be able to, to try to find the right answer. From the Lord. There are times when, you know, it's, it's other issues like these chairs. I don't care what color the chairs are. The fortunate thing is, neither do they. <laughs> so, you know, those sorts of issues, you don't go to the Word of God to establish what the color of the chairs are. You just simply compromise and defer to people who know better. So, you know, those sorts of issues, hopefully we don't have to deal with them often. And I can say this honestly now. The hardest decisions a group of elders can make, we have made in absolute consensus. Decisions that are not not frequently made in any church, certainly in this community, we've seen this recently, that I've ever heard of, could we make some of the decisions we made recently with the kind of love and consensus and togetherness that we had all the way through that. So, when you follow what the Word of God says and the models of the Word of God, it seems to work pretty well. Funny how that works. We could launch into a message on marriage with that, too, but we won't. Uh, okay, so that's it. I'm going to pray, and then we'll do something else. Does that work? Okay. Well, I'm thankful for the chance to have uh, shared from your word, and uh, pray, Lord, that any uh, mistakes uh, that I made that uh, I shouldn't have said or things that uh, conclu- conclusions that were wrongly held in people's minds, I pray, Lord, that you would remove those, that through the study of your word, the continued study of your word, that we come to right conclusions about all of your word. And, Lord, there are some things there that uh, you haven't made crystal clear for us, and that's because they don't need to be. You give us everything that we need, and we know that, and we're just so thankful for it. Uh, we thank you for, th- at this time of year especially, we just think of all the things that we're, we're thankful for, we're grateful for, and uh, we just love you. We love that you gave us your word, and you gave us your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.